On this week's episode, learn exactly what it takes to be a champion and the habits that you can start applying in your life to rise to that championship level. Welcome to the Compete Every Day podcast, a weekly show to help you harness the power of competition to be better than yesterday. Hear each week from performance leaders, coaches, and experts on the benefits of competition and how you can use it to win at work and in life. And now, your host, Chief Encouragement Officer at Compete Every Day, Jake Thompson. What's up, competitors? How are you doing this week? Man, I love Tuesdays because Tuesday means it is a brand new episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast, and I get to spend some time with you at the gym, on your drive to work, maybe you're out on a walk, but man, this is my favorite day of the week. I love competitors because I love competitors because you guys are the people that are committed to getting better. You're all about having that champion mindset, competing every day to make better choices, to make bigger impacts. You want to make a difference, and so you are here because this show is about helping you be better than yesterday. This week, I am excited to welcome to the show world champion, former strength and conditioning coach for the New York Yankees, Dana Cavalea. Dana just published his first book, Habits of a Champion, where he talks about his journey at the Yankees organization, how he found an opportunity like that, like that is the dream job for most people. How did Dana find that opportunity? How did he take advantage of it by doing what others weren't doing to build relationships, build rapport, and work his way up throughout the organization? You know, this episode is full of wisdom as you're going to learn not only from a career standpoint how to see a need and fill that void in terms of building your career and, and making that impact, but additionally, what makes a champion a champion? Like What sets them apart in terms of their efficiency, their productivity, their consistency? You're going to hear all that from Dana today as he dives into his journey with the Yankees and most importantly how you can apply a lot of those things that those world champion Yankees did to be a champion in your own life and your own career. Now, before I dive into the show, I want to remind you that listen up, drop us a note. If you love the show, if you have a topic that you're wanting me to hit up on speed work, if you have a guest idea, shoot us a note to podcast at competeeveryday.com. We are always on the lookout for guests. We're always on the lookout on creating content that helps you. I'm out speaking multiple times a month, and I want to be able to take those stories, take that content that you need, the things you want to learn, that you want to get better at, and bring them here to the show so that you can continue to level up as a competitor in your life. Also, if you have not joined our free Facebook group, what are you waiting on? It is free. It is on Facebook. Turn off all notifications for everything else, but join this group and get connected with other people who are committed to getting better. You've dove into the Compete Everyday brand because you are passionate about competing for your life. And this community is full of the same like-minded people that can encourage you, that can challenge you, and that can hold you accountable to achieve the levels of success that you desire for your life, whether you believe you can reach it there or not. We're there to help remind you that you can and help you get there. 
So join the free Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash compete every day. And as always, drop us a note to podcast at competeeveryday.com. Now, let's get to the show with my man, Dana Cavalia. Dana, welcome to the Compete Everyday Podcast. Thanks for having me. Man, I'm uh, I'm glad we've gotten connected. I, I love a lot of your work. You and I, as I shared before we hopped on air, uh, you and I have a lot of crossover in, in our messaging and, and some of the work we're doing. But for our listeners that are not familiar with you, uh, you've got quite the resume. So if you can give us just a top-level overview of who you are and what you do, man, then we're going to dive into the show. Yeah, no, definitely. So, uh, you know, I, I spent my uh, entire professional career with the New York Yankees as the director of strength and conditioning and performance for the organization, you know, basically overseeing speed, strength, power, nutrition, and elements of, of the rehabilitative process, as well as the sports psychology arm as well. Now, we did have a team that helped with that, but, you know, when you're around players that much, you really spend a lot of time working with their headspace. So, um, but really I, I started out, I was a fan of the game, fan of baseball. I was a player and I realized that I wasn't going to make it to the major leagues based on my talent. So I had to find an alternative way to get there. And, you know, I went to college at the university of South Florida down in Tampa and, uh, the New York Yankees just happened to have spring training down there. Now it wasn't planned for me to go to school down there because the Yankees are there. <laughs> but um, but it ended up working out really nicely. So I was a fan watching spring training one year through a chain link fence with a flip phone camera, sending pictures back to New York. And you know, about a week later, I got an opportunity. The uh, strength coach at the University of South Florida said, "Hey Dana, I got a call from the Yankees, and they're looking for someone to basically pick up towels in the weight room and keep the place clean. Are you interested?" And I said, "Absolutely, a hundred percent interested. When can I go?" And uh, from that moment where I was taking pictures through a chain link fence, um, a week later, I'm on the field. I got a lanyard around my neck. I'm in Yankee gear in the middle of team stretch. Uh, Cheater, Pettit, Clemens, you name it. They were all out there. And, and I was just happy to be in the middle of that, you know, uh, tremendous group of, of competitive athletes. So that was, that was really how I started. And then, you know, I, I ended up getting the head job just a few years later, I was 22 years old. I started as an intern at 19. I paid my dues. I grinded. I worked a lot for free and um, went home a lot of days wondering what I was going to do with my life and when this was actually going to work out. And I, I caught a break. And, and that's that's really how I how I started my career in the performance space. I, unlike a lot of coaches that are in the industry, I, I actually am an on-field coach. That's where I where I got my start. So it worked out well. Awesome. That's awesome. And obviously that's an opportunity most people would kill for, uh, especially at the time that you were with the program and the, the players and the magnitude of players there. Did you ever, did you ever have that moment where it was a little more almost star, I wouldn't say starstruck by the athletes, but by the opportunity you found yourself in. Because for a lot of people having that moment, they're a little overwhelmed by what they've stepped into. Yeah. So for me, I always, I always say this, there wasn't one day that I was there that I didn't feel nervous. And I, and one day that I actually felt very comfortable. 
So that I, I always put that out there first. But, you know, when I first started at 19 years old, you know, I didn't have any money. I, I drove beat up crappy cars to the field where everyone else is in Rolls Royces and Benzes and really nice stuff. So I was always the, from the day I started, I was, I was an underdog and I was in an arena now with people that had achieved huge success in their discipline of, of baseball. And I, I always felt like I was coming from behind, but rather than get caught up in the, I'm not prepared, what am I going to do? I said, you know, what can I be great at? And what I realized, this was a time when like core training was just starting. It was like, before that it was abs and abdominals and things like that. And, and this word core was starting to take off. So I, I locked in on that one word and I said, okay, I have nothing else to offer these guys right now outside of keeping this place spotless. I'm going to become the best core guy there is. So a player would walk in and I'd say, hey, geez, can I take you through your core today? And, you know, at first they were a little skeptical, but then they actually started to say yes. And what was crazy about that was that I, I made core the one thing that I knew how to do really well. After that, I, was, I didn't know what I was doing, but it gave me a chance to gain a relationship with the players I, I I was able to grab onto something and hold onto it where I could be a, a perceived expert. And I, I doubled down on that. And, and that's, that was my entry point. I got a little better at the other things as I went along and there was a lot of faking it till I made it, but I always made sure that through the whole process, I was open. I valued relationships more than anything and that I was professional. I wasn't an idiot. I wasn't trying to stand out and show off and, and be cool. And um, I just showed up and put my head down and worked every day. And that, that's how, that's how I, I got started. And that's actually how I overcame any sort of, you know, fear that I may have had, you know, I had nothing to lose, you know? I, I love that, that you found an opportunity where there was a need and just double down on getting better at that. Now, obviously after the 2013 season, you moved on from the Yankees. How were you able to take that same approach over the last five years and build the next stage of your business and what you're doing now in terms of coaching professional business professionals, uh, health minded people, how are you able to take that same approach in terms of starting over from day one again and saying, all right, yeah. where is the hole? Where is the need? Where can I just double down on the core, the core workouts of life? Yeah. So, you know, listen, if I were to sit here and tell you it, it wasn't a challenge, you know, uh, leaving the organization, I mean, I've won a championship. I'm from New York. I had a lot of brand equity and still do in that organization, which is, which is awesome. So I had a look at that and say, all right, Stop sulking, get over yourself, and now let's figure out what you want to do and, and what's next and how could you um, leverage what you just did to get you to your next place. Now, the reality is, at 31, when I had to make a transition, I really wasn't that much different than the 19-year-old that was making the transition from my university into professional sports. I Once again, I mean, I had a few more bucks to my name, obviously. I had more street cred, which was great. But now I was trying to enter into a world of, of, of competitive business, which is the most competitive sport in the world, and compete, you know, against people that have been doing this for 
20, 30 years, the Derek Jeters of speaking, the Derek Jeters of, you know, corporate development, professional development. And I had to literally once again say, you know what, what do you do that's different than everybody else? And what I know is there's a lot of coaches out there today and there's a lot of people that are out there in the development space, but nobody has my background. And I said, you know what, that's what you're going to do. You're not going to go talk about just being a leader because that there's a million other people that do that. So for me, I focus on performance leadership, which is about how do you activate your body and your mind physically and mentally to enhance your overall performance outcomes. Because if you're not in shape, much like a ball player, if a ball player's not in shape and they go to take the field, what happens? They get hurt. They don't perform well. And if you don't, if you get hurt and you don't perform well, you know what happens? When you go to Chase and you go to Bank of America, you have a very small check. So I talk to a lot of my audiences about, listen, get yourself in physical and mental shape. Here's how. Here's how our athletes do it. And it leads to greater income and greater success. And I don't know too many people that don't want greater income and greater success. So it's a really unique approach and starting point for a lot of people when you just tell them, hey, if you get in shape mentally and physically, here's how, and it'll lead to greater success, you know, when you cash in your chips, you know, it, it creates a little more opportunity and it's a different message than most are out there giving. And, and, and that's what I did. I, I once again had to double down on my background as an on-field coach, somebody that understands strength, understands high-intensity travel, long work days, just because of my own experiences. So I, I, once again, just made that my point of entry rather than trying to be something I'm not. I, I, I really like that fact because the more – it's very apparent the more willing you are to push yourself in a workout and training to get outside that comfort zone in a workout, the the more likely you are in life. Like there's a direct correlation to the individual that will take the the initiative and the discipline to push themselves just a little bit harder in that workout or or for a lot of people to set foot inside that gym, to go train, to go work out you start to see that parallel in many areas of their life. When we started, there was a lot of our work and events that we did in the CrossFit space. And right. that was one of the correlations that I felt was one of the reasons outside of the community that made CrossFit so incredibly successful is that people could step into the gym, do things they never had imagined before. And then you would see the confidence, you would see the discipline carry over into other areas of their life. And I know, obviously, you've seen that firsthand in your clients when they're developing that confidence. What are you able to do from a, a mental standpoint with those clients when they're maybe they've had some success in life outside of the gym, but they know their health is, is an issue? How are you able to mentally help them almost start over? Because you're having to start over from ground one again or from day yeah, one. Right. For a lot of us it's really frustrating to have gone down a road and been really successful over here, or perhaps we were an athlete as a kid and we got really out of shape. Having to start over mentally can be an overwhelming thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I get a lot of people, um, like a lot of my businesses is male CEOs that are over 40 that have built incredible businesses and companies and, and, and wealth. And now they're at a point where they feel, you know, mentally, spiritually, and physically bankrupt. You know, they have tons of money, they have great companies, but they feel terrible. So I get them at a point where they're they're vulnerable. And much like 
I did, uh, this was a strategy I took from baseball as well. You know, the players that I didn't work with initially, um, I ended up getting them when they got hurt because during whenever you're hurt and whenever you're not feeling 100% about yourself in any way, there is a level of vulnerability. And I took advantage of that because I knew I, if I took advantage of that, I would be able to get these guys to a place that they hadn't been even before the injury. So I look at my executive business the same way. Um, you know, these guys, they let themselves go in a lot of ways, and now we got to talk to them about their condition and how bad that condition is and what that condition, if left untreated, how it could, you know, perpetuate itself into something even worse. And then we talk about why they do what they do, what they want. Most of them want to remain relevant for the next 20, 30 years. They want to be around for their grandkids. And that's actually our starting point. So we, we put a different why to it than just, hey, I want to get a six-pack. I want to get in shape. It has to be deeper than that. And that goes really for everybody because the vanity play plays out after a while. And you could only go so far with that. So if you can create a, a greater association and a stronger association, you can have success longer um, and, and actually start the process. And some of my guys, I have guys that, you know, started publicly traded companies. They're always out raising money and they're shot. You know, their adrenals are shot. Their body's tired. Their mind is tired. So for these guys, it's like, hey, come in or I'll come to you. And we just start with stretching. But there's a lot of believe it or not, cognitive behavioral therapy that could take place when somebody's on a table relaxing and you're freeing their body of a lot of stress. Um, it's extremely therapeutic for them in a lot of different ways. And that's, that's how I start. Love that. I love that. Yeah. So for, and for a lot of people listening they're they're probably in that boat. I know we've got some people that fall right into your core audience and that those forties, the successful entrepreneurs, CEOs, presidents that are that are the head of big companies that that perhaps may be feeling that and, and looking for just the edge that's why they're obviously listening to the show to be a better competitor and, and for the younger audience members gives them warning signs and things to look out for so they can make the necessary corrections early on i want to talk a little bit about you've got a book coming out later uh in, in october we're sitting here recording this early october You've got a soft launch coming up soon on the habits of a champion. I would love to ask you what what is one takeaway that you saw working in that strength room with the Derek Jeters and A Rods and, and the legends of baseball that was almost something too simple. Like you you yeah. would think well, looking at the outside, you see these guys that are the best of the best. And you're like, yeah. they have to be unworldly at this and this and this. And then it comes down to, as, as a friend of mine, Alan Stein talks about the basic fundamentals. Yeah. Well, you know what? Here's, here, there's a couple things that aren't really discussed. And, and I think they always need to be said. You know, when you see greatness, nobody talks about talent anymore. And I'm going to tell you something. If Derek Cheater didn't have talent, and he went to the gym every single day and, and even worked on his sport fundamentals every day. You know, if he didn't have talent, he wouldn't be Derek Jeter. It's that simple. So, you know, A-Rod always used to say, talent is the ultimate equalizer and it must be respected. And so that, that, that's part one. So you've got to have talent. But there's a couple other things that factor in. And when you talk about the greatest, 
listen, when you're when you make it to the top, you gotta have talent. But those guys are very simply consistent. They're they're always in everything they do. They never complicate it. They keep it very simple, and they're always very consistent. So when I was raised as a young player, I was always told be the first one there and the last one to leave. Right. Yep. Now I I look at all the Hall of Famers that I've had a chance to work with and future Hall of Famers. Not one of them was the first there. And not one of them was the last to leave. They were like the last ones there and the first to leave. So that right there was something that blew my mind because I wasn't, I was taught the complete opposite. The other thing I was taught was if you're not working, somebody else is. And therefore that someone else is getting better and you're not. Now, what did I see with these guys that were the best of the best? They were not always working and they were the best. So there's talent, but they also knew exactly what they needed. And now I work again with a lot of high-level CEOs, billionaire types that own teams, and I realize once again, they're not the first ones there, and they're not the last ones to leave, and they're very, very structured and strategic in what they do. So Derek Jeter, for instance, would get to the ballpark at 3 o'clock, he'd get undressed, and he'd hit the ground running. And it would be boom, 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 game. Ice bath, shower, go home. So there was no wasted time. So they, they had different levels of efficiency. So consistency and efficiency combined with talent equals greatness. The players that were trying to figure it out and, you know, they were inconsistent performers, they were the ones that were always working, always trying to find the new um, hack or the new, you know, hijack that they could come up with. Uh, oh, I got this new training program. I got this. And they never were able to settle into anything, a routine, nothing. So, you know, that that's kind of how I see it. The best of the best are the best because they understand what they need. They don't care what the expert says. They don't care about that. They know what they need. You know what I mean? Do you? So let me ask you on that note, because you obviously to make it to the top level, to to the majors, you have talent. But there's obviously various levels of talent. I mean, Al- Alex is one of the best hitters of all time. And right. the way he could see the ball and hit the ball. Yet there were other players on that team that didn't have that level of talent that still had success in the sport. And are you saying that a lot of that came down to they, the best of the best and then the, the players that didn't have same, the same level of talent but still found a way to succeed? It came down to them understanding their own bodies, what they needed and creating a, an efficient daily process to meet that. Right. That, and they also knew what kind of player they were. So like I was at the game last night, Brett Gardner was one of my players and he's a speed guy. He could bunt and he could move guys over and he could hit singles. Brett knew that he had to be the best speed guy, bunt guy, move guys over and singles guy that he could be. If he tried to hit home runs and doubles, that was not his game. So once again, even though he's not at the same talent profile as a guy like A-Rod, he still has enough talent to be a big leaguer for 10 years, but he knew what he had to be great at and what he was great at. He, if he tried to you know, be the same as like us going on Instagram and looking and seeing, well, look what so-and-so's doing. I should do that. And it's like, well, you're an introvert. 
you shouldn't have a camera crew following you around because there'd be nothing fun to see. That would be the worst move you could do for your business. It's, it's the same thing. You got to know your business. You need to, you're the CEO of your business and pro athletes, guys that have sustainable careers for 10 years plus, they know how to run and operate their business. They know what they sell and they know exactly what they need. And you could tell that they're very stubborn too. And they're not going to listen to you because they know, you know, unless you have a really good case because they know exactly, they're very convicted people. That that is exactly what I was hoping you would say and, and share with everyone listening, because it's very easy to get caught up. As you said, Instagram, for instance, easy yeah. to get caught up on social media with that comparison game of trying to be yeah. like everyone else. Listen, that get, the, the social media game, the, the one thing also that we were that was great was social media didn't really climax when these great players were playing. And what I see now is the players of today. They play for much different reasons than the player of yesterday. They're playing into the Instagram game. And really, that's a vacuum. That will suck your brains out. It'll suck your talent out. And it'll lose so much time and efficiency that'll cost you your consistency. And that's a dangerous thing for an athlete, you know. So you got to be really careful. And it's a dangerous thing for anybody trying to pursue higher levels of excellence and performance. Absolutely. We talk about that here on the show. Comparison is a game that will wear you out. It is unsustainable, but competing against yourself, your process, how you can personally get better is something that every one of us can do every day. Uh, Dana, man, this is, this has been a great show. So I would love if you could share a little bit about your book that's coming out or or will be out when the episode launches and, and tell us a little bit about where we can find it and what, what you hope readers will get out of it. Yeah. So, you know, in all my years, I've been so fortunate enough. Again, I've been bred, you know, from 19 all the way through my thirties to be around these sort of, you know, thoroughbred horses that are, uh, you know, winners. And I, I started to read these books through the years that were about success and, 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 and being a winner. And I said, man, you know what? There's no way, a lot of these books, these books are written by, they were so like classroom written. And I said, I'm going to take it to the street and I'm going to write a very practical book about leadership that caters not just to athletes, but coaches. It caters to folks in business, CEOs and leaders. And what I did was I took stories um, and examples from our players, from the CEOs, executives, and I, I blended it into uh, this book called, you know, Habits of a Champion. And I said, Nobody becomes a champion by accident. Why were these guys so great? And these were the things that they did. But it's in story form, and it's very real. It's very organic. It's my voice, and it's, it's got a little edge to it. And, and I wanted to share that with people because I just think there is so much being sugarcoated today. And, like, people are like, go out. If you think you'll be successful, you'll be successful. <laughs> and that's that, not true. It's not true. You know, what are the mechanics of success for you? And what are you passionate about? And how do you create a business around that? And the reality is, just because you're passionate about something and you create a business around it, doesn't mean you're going to be successful at it. I am. I opened five training facilities in the New York area, and they were the best. I had the best equipment, the best stuff. I had my brand behind it. And you know what? We lost a lot of money. I had employees stealing and things like that. And you know what? That was my dream. It was my vision. I was passionate about it, but it sucked. And that's something that I had to come to grips with. So that's a story in the book. 
and I want people to understand that success is not something you could just, you know, think success and you'll be successful. That's a, being an optimist and, and being all in is, is so important, but there, there's a talent to, to, to success as well. And, um, that's really what, what my book is about. It's about, you know, figuring out what you want and going after it and believing in that. Much like I said, the conviction of the players, you got to have the same thing, but you also can't be afraid to realize that what you're doing is not working. How so. do you, on that, on that note, because we've talked a lot today about the importance of talent in certain areas and being great. And, and every one of us have talents in, in different areas. How do you encourage your clients or perhaps your readers to find that specific talent that they need to double down on? I tell them three things, and I learned these three things from Mariano Rivera. And he said to me one time, I said, Mo, how do you do it? How are you so great? And, and, I, and this was outside of his talent. I said, outside of your talent. And he said, buddy, I do three things. He said, I slow everything down, I quiet the noise, and I throw one pitch at a time. Now, we are in a world today where everything is not slowing down. It's very fast. There's a ton of noise, and therefore we're unable to throw one pitch at a time because we have no focus. So because of those issues, people are, are, are trying to find what should I do, what should I do. So you got to do those three things so you have enough time with yourself to actually hear the voices and feel what you're supposed to be doing and what's real. You know, and, and I'm guilty of it, too. I'll go on these social channels, and all of a sudden I lose my intuitive sense because I say, oh, wow, maybe I should do that. And my... It's about quieting the noise, slowing it down, and throwing one pitch at a time. And that's what we um, work to get everybody back to, that place of, of quiet. You know what I mean? Yep. Spot on. And that's the starting point. And I uh, Do you? Yeah. Listen, listen to the wise words of the Sandman, buddy. Listen to the wise words of the Sandman. Yeah. And, and these guys, I got to tell you, I always say this. They are so bland. They are so vanilla, and they are so boring. The greatest are the most boring people you'll ever meet. Now, as, as individuals, we love the, the flash. We love the, the, you know, the, that, that sizzle. We're addicted to it, especially coaches and people that are, you know, like into the success space. We love that. But you know what? Success is actually about just day-to-day -day execution of the little thing. Day-to-day, day-to-day, day-to-day. Do it, do it, do it over and over again. And you're building every every day. You're just putting a little bit more on the pile, um, and and that's really what I saw these guys do. They would you'd never see them do anything that you're like, what is that guy doing? You would never see that, and and I live by that. Awesome, awesome. All right, yeah. Dana, where can people connect with you on your website and social media? Where's the best place to find you? Yeah, so danacavalia.com, and then um, my social channels is the uh, the real coach D on Instagram. Twitter at Dana Cavalier and um, that's pretty much it. So I, I'm in the business of helping people. I always have been and, and um, you know, I'm happy to do that. Awesome. Thanks for joining the show this week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Compete Every Day podcast. To learn more, visit CompeteEveryDay.com. To connect with Jake or contact the show, email us at podcast at CompeteEveryDay.com. And as always, keep competing every day to be better than you were yesterday.